Genre. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man, one cardiac arresting minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. <laughs> and I'm Zach Luna. And I'm Jay Malone from Geek by Night. Welcome back, Jay. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Today we are talking about Minute 18, which starts with the vapor clearing, revealing a convulsing Norman, and ends with Peter waking up on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, th- this this whole bit. Uh, well, first of all, so Strom vents the chamber when he sees that Norman is convulsing, like the, the vapor sort of clears this right. and the vapor clears before he vents the gas chamber, which is interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not really sure how that works, but yeah. uh, but he vents the gas chamber. Wh- what would have happened if he hadn't? Well, he couldn't go in there to, uh, it, probably, because it oh, did yeah. dissipate. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. sure. I just <laughs> mean to Norman, like, like, yeah, because if clearly they intended for the procedure to go longer than that, but we shut it off yeah. early mm-hmm. or something right. along those lines. Right. Um, Would he have just been full on Green Goblin all the time in this whole uh, multiple personality slash schizophrenia thing that he's got going on? Wouldn't, wouldn't have, have happened. happened. Maybe he or just maybe, would have been all goblin. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's like, uh, you get the dose that you get, like, like, you know how the first, um, the first few minutes of steeping your tea or whatever, most of the caffeine comes out then. So like maybe if, if you steep your tea a minute longer, it's not going to get more caffeinated. It'll just taste more strong. Maybe it's like that where he got the gist of it and he's just kind of fine after that. You know, right. I don't know how vapor inhalation of, uh, mutagenics works but that's that seems like a reasonable <laughs> an- analogy uh you know I, I i base everything on making tea uh <laughs> science I love, uh, science i love the um the helpful graphics on their on their displays like when he's venting the gas chamber like i'm yeah. sure the command like somebody took the time to in the world of of Oscorp in the world of the movie uh, that somebody took the time to like, well, whenever we vent the gas chamber, we should have a little animation of the gas chamber venting and like a blinking uh-huh. screen that says venting gas chamber. So we this know is just more, this is just more money spent by Oscorp that could have been used to keep the company open longer. It's true. <laughs> right? Like what UI UX designer did they keep on for like an extra eight <laughs> weeks so that he could design this interface? Uh, thousands and um, thousands. <laughs> I love the start of this scene because it's such classic Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Violently convulsed. That's how you're going to show that you're possessed. Okay. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and the evil go. dead eyes. 
Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. That was fantastic. Oh, yeah. You zoom right in. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Dead eye. The dead eyed eyes. The dead eyed eyes. Great. It's unnerving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Strom's. Mm. I, I, my, I have a note here that says Strom's fear of manslaughter is very real. <laughs> because, because there, he, I guarantee you. He, Norman did not sign any paperwork about <laughs> agreeing to this. And so like Strom in this moment, it almost, you know, you could make the argument that he's not really worried about Norman at all. He's just like, oh my God, I'm going to go to jail forever. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, well, at this no, point, he, the only part, the only, the only evidence of Norman's willing participation is that he disrobed and smashed a bottle. Right. So it's, yeah. Which could it's, have been yeah. a struggle, you know, like the, it's very yeah. circumstantial <laughs> evidence. I don't know, man. I it do, looks like you shove you you forced him to drink that uh, anti nausea <laughs> medication and then to smash the bottle on the ground. I don't know. I, don't know. Like I, I story do like really that. Holds up. I do like that. Strom exclaims Norman like in in fear and shock, and then casually meanders to the computer to vent the chamber. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, oh well, yeah, he's probably dead. So it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Norman. <laughs> 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 oh oh no please stop uh, don't no uh, click, he does click, click, click. Yeah. just really <laughs> he has to make an effort for the security cameras but that's it <laughs> right yeah <laughs> like, uh, there's no audio on these right yeah okay just a little frantic um it is he in in all in all honesty though he does really sell it um in the in the performance that I I always get a little super sad for Doctor Strom in the moments when he's trying to do CPR that he uh-huh. has this he almost like pushes out a little cry out of himself where he's just like <laughs> like he's just yep. he really does not want this day to go down that way uh, <laughs> which I'm sure when I was younger I read as genuine concern for Norman but it's it's concern for everything I'm sure uh, <laughs> yeah so so I've got a question yeah if 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 Norman has to be put on, be placed on this gurney outside the chamber and then put into the, like, like pulled into the chamber through this arm contraption through these trap doors in the floor. Mm-hmm. Wh- why, why is there a secondary entrance on the side? Like couldn't Norman have just walked in there? <laughs> like, <laughs> Got hooked up to the little thing and then like I mean what's the difference? I'm sure they were like planning to do like a big presentation where they're like, okay, and we'll have okay, yes, we he, he we just stand in there, right? Yeah, but it looks so much cooler if when we're sh- like showing the <laughs> yeah. stockholders, the investors, if there's like a conveyor belt and it like lifts up, like they'll really it'll sell the Howard Starkiness of all this, right? Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. We should do that. Uh <laughs> That was that was some poor set designer who built this crazy contraption to slide Norman in. Yeah. And then Raimi walks up and goes, this is really great. How does Strom get in there at the end? And he just goes, shit. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, we'll add a door. God damn it. Uh- <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Everybody take a break. We'll, you know, like take five. We'll figure this out. <laughs> Do these come across? I remember uh, I bringing it back to the yield CSI cyber, uh, the, <laughs> the, um, the like lab that we worked in there, the like cyber security lab, but we also had a regular CSI lab there or whatever. It was very weird, but the whole thing was made of glass like this, like a bunch of every, every door was glass. Every like mm-hmm. surface was glass and you know, all the walls 
were glass like this. Of course, the, that's uh, how you know it's technologically advanced. Yeah, that's how you know it's tech. You know, and I had I had yeah. many a day where they were like, "Okay, Zach, it's your turn in the your turn in the lab coat. Put on the lab coat. Put on some gloves. I need you to just go like swill." some stuff in beakers you know like just we'll put some colored liquid in a beaker just like swirl it around okay we just need something in the background there but at any rate because you could see through every every wall and every uh section of the lab of course the thing you don't think about that in terms of set design is that reflections are a nightmare when you're filming something uh in terms of like seeing the crew and the reflections and uh, monitors and lights like it is ridiculous and the thing that they came up with on that set was that all of these pretend sturdy looking walls of glass that like looked like they were really set in their, I don't know, uh, frames um, uh-huh. were actually on swivels. So you could lean against any one of them and they had a pivot point in the middle and you could alter the angle that it sat at just a tiny bit so that the reflection would skate off of it, you know, for whatever oh. angle you were at. So everything that was glass looking in there was you know revolvable so that you could buy each individual shot adjust those things. So I almost wonder if if that poor set designer had that actual interaction there. If he was just like, okay, well, one of the revolving uh, like windows we have there, just 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 revolve it all the way. We'll call that a door. Somebody like get some plywood, and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we'll be ready to go. Like we had a contingency plan already. Um, I I am impressed with. Okay, if we're doing vapor inhalation for this procedure, yes, we have. The gas is, you know, that's how we're going to deliver the medicine. Great. Why is the chamber itself so large? Like you could have, I'm sure you could put vapor in in a much smaller, like, you know, atomic pod size thing that was like slightly larger than a coffin or an MRI machine or, or anything like that. But it's like a, a roomy little apartment in there that he's well, got. it's it's it there. Okay. So in the world of the movie, I'll mm-hmm. say it's enough room for an assistant on either side yeah. of the, of the okay. subject. That right. makes sense. So, so that's, yeah. that's my argument there is like, mm. it's, it's enough room for two people. Got it. Um, which I think you would want that sort of space around the person. Sure. Yeah. Um, the subject, uh, outside of mm. that, they want it to look like a gas chamber and it's just not going to look like a gas chamber if it's only the size of one person. Cause when you think yeah. of gas chambers, whether, whether or not the they actually are yeah. like this in, yeah. in reality, in movies, it's always a lone chair in a big room with an audience in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a guy, you know, there to put the bag over his head and there's a guy there like counting down or whatever, or like, you know, any last words, there's like the priest, whatever. So there's like room for like three or four people yeah. in that room around the chair that the guy is in. So, you know, yeah, it's a, it's an appropriate space. It's a, it, it has yeah. the, the look, um, right. Certainly. It's just, it looks, it looks obnoxiously large because this isn't a full fledged, uh, experiment. It's yeah. not, uh, middle of yeah. the night with only two people versus whatever grandiose, uh, like pageantry exactly. they were planning to have <laughs> with their little conveyor belt doohickey. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, um, the, uh, the little, uh, the, so in this scene, this scene technically has, um, technically, and I, and I mean this as in to say, like, if this was any other kind of scene, this would be bad editing. Uh-huh. Uh, because in the wide shots, when, when he wakes up in the wide shots, his like Norman's face is all like turned. And we talked about how, you know, they cast, 
Willem Dafoe because they know they're not going to do the goblin from the comics. So they cast Willem Dafoe because his face can distort. He's got that rubber face that he kind kind of turned into. Looks like a demon. Look, yeah. Look mm-hmm. like the goblin, you know, yeah. in, a, in, 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 uh, in a way. And so he's got that sort of goblin face, facial expression. And then they cut in and ev- his whole face is just instantly dropped. And he's just like back to formula. And then you cut back. Ah, and he's like back to like monster face. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really bad editing, except that, what it does for the scene is it makes everything feel uneasy and mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really good. It's a really cool editing choice. I yeah, think it's, it's very effective, even if it's not like clean or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you presented this in your uh, class project in film school and somebody calls you out in continuity, uh, like that's one thing, but in terms of the effect it has on the audience and achieving the goals that they want, like, absolutely. the, the intimacy of the back to the formula line is sold way more by the calm facial expression. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it, it's, it's amazing to me. It's mm-hmm. amazing to me that this beat two towers to yeah. theaters because you would think, Oh, well they're obviously doing like a riff on Gollum, but no, they're not. No, that, no. It just so happened that both of these productions sort of simultaneously had this idea. Yeah. And and went full tilt at it. Uh, yeah, and they both came out the same year. Like it's it's crazy. Uh, I love to the 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 shot coming out of that moment, the back to the formula moment. There's something mm-hmm. about I don't know if they like removed a couple extra f- frames. Like you know, on Braveheart, they always talk about how like whenever somebody was hit in the face with a sword or a or a, a mallet or something that um, they would take out a couple of frames in the middle of the swing so that you accelerated a little bit, you know, that's that uh-huh. the, the hit landed a bit harder. There's yeah. something about the way that just the, the muscular nature of throwing Strom through that, um, uh, mm-hmm. that it, it, it's, it's like we're ramping up before speed ramping was a, was a thing, you know, mm-hmm. this, yeah. like this was not somebody, you know, on a, a digital, like, uh, this wasn't somebody in Premiere Pro being like, oh, and we'll, you know, we'll move up the frame rate this high right now. This was like an assembled edit. Uh, still, I mean, still helped on computers, but this moment feels like a, a constructed, visceral, like very, very bodily uh, piece of violence. Like it feels the weight of it is 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 alarming and shocking and, and creepy. Yeah, it hurts, but it's so fast mm-hmm. like it just goes by yeah. like that um yeah the, the where where norman jumps up and he goes into the the crouch where that with the big hiss like mm-hmm. to me it's just yeah. as, as someone who who did shakespeare in in high school and loves willem dafoe's work to uh-huh. me it felt like such a combination of somebody playing puck from midsummer night's dream and uh-huh. his take on max shrek in nosferatu like oh, oh shit yeah. it's yeah. got that that kind of playful leap like that that light that impish yeah. yeah, yeah, but that that crazed kind of that crazed mindset that he got into as Shrek and Nosferatu, it's yeah. just oh man, it's I I love that jump because it's like oh there he is we've got the goblin yep. we found yep. him yeah because he's already he's he's balancing on the edge of the chamber so he's already sort of on the glider like exactly yes, it's the goblin and yeah. I I'll say this is actually a good example of killing your babies um yeah. which is you know for those of you who don't know a saying that 
uh, you you have for when you have a scene that you really love and try so hard to get right and then ultimately just end up cutting it from the movie. Yeah. Um, because it makes for the better movie. So this is a good example of killing your babies because there is a long long bit in that behind the scenes uh book that we both have about them getting a jump the jump from the chamber yeah yeah stunt from the chain it was going to be what it was it was norman jumping from his crouching on the edge of the chamber all the way across the room they were going to put the camera like on the other side of the room and he was going to jump all the way into the camera and that's how they were going to cut out of it yeah like it's just like show this yeah right this 30 foot leap and just to be like oh okay this guy like he's he's super strong like he has changed somehow mm-hmm. and yeah. uh they they did it they 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 practiced it forever like they trained for it. willem dafoe like lots of tri- trial and error like you know they mm-hmm. they created this entire rig for this thing they yeah. shot it and then they ultimately with a, with a special harness because he was shirtless so you couldn't use a regular pick harness in that right. scene and they like were so excited about how much they accomplished with that stunt on the day and then and then they cut it yeah it's it's not, it's not in the there. movie yeah yeah you see a little bit of him jumping off of that uh off of the ledge there but that that whole elaborate stunt where apparently he was right up next to the camera at the very end of it and they spent all day and were really excited about that feeling of you know asking impossible things of your crew and actually getting that impossible thing to happen and so proud of it mm-hmm. and it's just not there but nope. it's not needed it's no yeah it's it's just one of those things where write the movie that third time and and you mm-hmm. got to right. be you got to be ruthless uh at absolutely that point. um absolutely. it is a great sequence and a great way to end it the way it is in the film with just that leaf, mm-hmm. just that yep. that crouch Oof. he uh, feels more and, menacing uh, that way oh yeah, yeah for sure uh, because you don't know where he's jumping toward, and exactly. so you're you're just thinking, "Oh my God, what is he going to do to Strom?" Because you don't you don't know that Strom's dead. You just, it, I mean, he's obviously hurting. Um, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he landed in that thing and just crushed it. So you know he hit it really hard. Yeah. Uh, but you don't know what what he's going to do to him. You're, it's it's scary. Yeah. yeah. So. It's really good. Um, But yeah, speaking of uh, drafts uh, and and writing. uh, Yeah. The shooting shooting draft, after he kills Strom, uh, it actually says that he throws him into a pillar and and like a pool of blood like surrounds him um, when he lands. Wow. Yeah. Uh, So it's – they they obviously cut that because it wasn't necessary. Yeah. Um, A bit dark. And then uh, when when he actually – flies across the lab what he lands in front of is the flying platform and the remote control suit oh okay, okay. yeah and then he, it says that he it says uh in the distance norman osborne throws his head back and howls in pain confusion and transformation his primitive cry echoes over and then we cut to the next scene wild yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's it is one of those things uh, in terms of where you place your scenes and how much when to give what information at what time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't want to leap too far ahead in the movie to the minutes we haven't gotten to yet, but I, I feel like it will ring truer later when Norman wakes up and doesn't know what's going on and legitimately is 
when someone tells him that Dr. Strom is dead and he's like, he's he's dead. What? And they yeah. tell him the glider stolen and all that. that right, right, right. We're and, more and, and we in don't Norman's we, shoes. we're with him. Yeah, we're, with we're him. more in yeah. his shoes if we don't have that part of the scene here. Right. We we right. have the same gap in our memory that he does. And yeah, that exactly. Yeah. Um, that's obviously it, when you're writing the screenplay, you're you're often thinking in terms of how do I get across all the information? How, you know, how do I make sure you know what's going on as we go all the way through? And then sometimes when mm-hmm. it's filmed, it maybe it's not when you want to give that away. Maybe that's something you want to keep for later. Uh, right. And it's it's worth hiding or implying uh, rather than spelling out. Uh, right. Yeah. It is, um, it is weirdly dangerous to just cut from that leap to Peter Parker. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the script, it doesn't cut to Peter Parker. It, sure. It cuts it later. It cuts to him waking up the next morning. Um, right. Norman right. waking up right. the next morning. But because uh, it took place later in the script at that point. Right. Right. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, Instead. Um, so in the cap draft, mm-hmm. um, going back to the Osborne uh, origin uh, what's going on here is that um, so Osborne, last time we talked about this, Osborne announced that uh, Otto Octavius, who is in this draft of this of the script, um, was being fired before uh, his uh, stock options uh, vest. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Octavius is uh, a little peeved about this. Um, and Osborne says all projects, notes, work in progress and OES unvested stock options will remain the exclusive property of Oscorp Industries. Octavius is begging him saying, please, I don't care about the money, but this work is my life. Uh, and Osborne says, and this company is mine. I made a rash promise to you. I'd be unwise to keep it. I have shareholders to answer to. Thank you for your service. Feel free to list me as a reference. Ooh. God. Ooh. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, so Octave, like the guards show up, the security guards show up, um, and Oct- Otto runs into his isolation chamber with the arms, and uh, they, they like the 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 security are trying trying to come after him. Uh, Octavius is telling them to get away from them, uh, and uh, basically like they're trying to figure out how to get him out of the metal corset that he's in. Um, because this is, this is an actual corset, uh, as opposed to like what it is in, in Spider-Man two. Right. Um, and, uh, Osborne's trying to figure out how to get it in. So he just starts pushing random buttons, uh, to get <laughs> the thing to open. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, basically something inside the tank busts open and, uh, uh, like, hits um octavius and he gets like knocked against a wall and then it causes this chain reaction where everything else uh starts going as well um octavius gets up he picks up uh norman with the arms um by the claw and uh is like saying like who do you think you are how dare you tour with my work so they're both distracted by their little argument that's going on and everyone else is running out of the lab because all of these, all of these things are like all these glass uh, fixtures are like, uh, are uh, like breaking mm-hmm. and things. And so there's like all these coils and, and stuff with vapors and liquids and they're all cracking and breaking. And uh, suddenly like they realize that everyone has left and it's just them and a bunch of alarms 
And Octavius looks around and says, good God. And then you see the glass tubes are cracking like ice in the springtime is what it says. And Uh Octavius's voice is the only sound in the lab. And he says, what have we done? And then kaboom, the whole place goes up. And uh, which I can absolutely see Sam Raimi directing the hell out of that moment. Definitely. Um, and uh, and so everybody flies everywhere. Uh, Osborne get Osborne gets thrown like freed of the arms, and um, Otto gets bl- blown off like across the room. Uh, and as uh, Otto is starting to like get back up, he's realizing that the the arms are working on their own, like without him ordering them to. Um, they've sort of uh, bec- they've gotten a mind of their own. Uh, which would uh, become a, uh, a fixture in the yeah, sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, while that's happening, Norman was thrown into directly into the, uh, the isolation tank where all of the, uh, all of the stuff was sort of like coalescing all of the uh, liquid and gas and vapor and everything was sort of coalescing in that room, in that isolation room. Huh. And uh, he gets enveloped in it. Um, and it's weird because there's this moment where, uh, as it's enveloping him, you can see through him and you can see the vapor like going into his body and like, yeah, um, it's really crazy. And then, uh, eventually like the, the gas like dissipates and, uh, he's left there and it says that the camera pulls in, uh, closer, closer into, um, his eyes. Uh, huh. which, uh, which, which have turned green when they snap open. Ooh. Um, Classic. so, uh, yeah. So that's, uh, that's the origin of the green goblin and Dr. Octopus, um, in, uh, in the original kept draft. Pretty efficient. Yeah. 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 yeah they, uh, efficient and it, and it works for the version of the characters from the comics. Like right. I, I, I do, I feel like, you know, these movies, the, the, the Raimi movies, they make a lot of concessions, uh, mm. toward, um, filmmaking and the movies that they're made that, 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 that Raimi is wanting to make the feeling that he wants the audience to have while watching it. And so he makes a lot of concessions about like who these characters are, um, on a, uh, fundamental level. Yeah. He but changes he, he a lot of them out. And, and in this, Right. And in this in this kept draft, it's they're literally just the comic book characters. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, which and I there, think is really interesting. There is something fairly functional about the idea that like the the cold, single minded businessman aspect of Norman Osborn is why this argument happens that results in all this going on, you know, at all that that, that there's something pretty. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh I said efficient already, but yeah, it's, 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 um, if you are trying to tell that story and you have to get all that out of the way and get both of these characters in play quickly and you want there to be a unique, you know, antagonistic relationship between the two of them, that's a pretty direct way to do it. It, it, it flows pretty, um, pretty swiftly from character at that, at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but if that's not the character you want to put in the movie, you're going to have to make some changes around that, especially in terms of, not just the money change early on when they were like, we can't really afford to do both the Green Goblin and uh, Dr. Octopus in this movie. Let's focus on one. Who's the better one to focus on? 
we should focus on Green Goblin. Raimi said that he wanted the, he's a stronger relationship to Peter, uh, that mm-hmm. that's what they should focus on. But there's also the the character change aspect of like, well, if that's what we're doing, if that's who we want to spend more time with, how do we how do we change our approach there? Um, right. And th- those are the types of like wrestling considerations you have to make when you're when you're changing and adapting things. And I I love this mirror into the other movie because it's like we've said many times on the podcast already. It's that would be a really interesting movie. That would be yeah. a good Spidey movie. It is a fairly classic approach to you know telling a comic book tale for the most part um Mm -hmm. but this is something this is something more um open something more intimate uh it 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 wears its heart on its sleeve a bit more and is it's at less of a distance i guess well i i I think it's it's you know i i think the kept draft is a really smart adaptation of of spider-man but ultimately film is a director's medium yeah and if you're hiring sam raimi as the director this is not necessarily the script that he should be directing like that's not the movie that he wants he he should be doing this is the movie and i i think it's interesting too because you know the 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 thing that's important to sam raimi Mm -hmm. and especially at the time in you know, 2001 when they were in production on this, mm-hmm. it's, it's to make a movie. Like they're not interested in, in, in the accuracy of the characters um, because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like back then, like right. that, that didn't matter. Um, and, and so they were more focused on making the best movie they could make. And they felt that this was, this was the best one that this team could make. And I think they're right. 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 Yeah. I think I think Kep was writing a movie, um, you know, more with with the 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 dream casting of Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, <laughs> sure. At the time, yeah. like that's yeah. that's who Sony wanted for Peter Parker, and and Leonardo DiCaprio as the Peter Parker in that Spider-Man movie makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Tobey Maguire, as we'll talk about in tomorrow's minute, um, makes less sense mm-hmm. in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you would, you adjust to the, the actual team that you have and right. Yeah. If you're, if you're trying to make art that works, you adjust, you adjust to the team that you have, you know, cause other right. you might end up in situations where you're forcing something that doesn't fit, um, mm-hmm. particularly well. Uh, this is, I, this movie is, is, is wonderful. And I think that unique tone, uh, part of that just comes from like, what is Sam Raimi's relationship to the character? And how did he want to get that across? And in terms of like the, the choices that they were wrestling with in terms of people to direct the movie earlier on, this is still we're this was again, you said, you know, 1999 when they're starting to try to put this project together, you know, early 2000s right. when they're actually getting it off the ground was it was not the era of, you know, the Marvel movies are a part of our whole Marvel brand. And, you know, that well, we got to get everybody involved with this, you know, the character doing this, this or that, or uh, tying in. Well, and I mean, being, I, yeah, it's, like, it's sort of like, it's sort of, I mean, compare what happened here with Sam Raimi and this David mm-hmm. Kep draft yeah. to what happened with Ant-Man and Edgar Wright. Right. I mean, it's it's yeah. the exact opposite situation where, mm-hmm. you know, in this case, Sony put their trust in the director because they believe that film is the, a director's medium. And so it's like, okay, we trust your vision. Mm-hmm. So help us 
help you bring your vision to the screen. Right. And then you right. look at what happened with Ant-Man and it's like, Edgar Wright, you, you're putting too much of yourself in this. Mm-hmm. We would rather it feel more like a Marvel movie than an Edgar Wright movie. And if that's not something you're interested in, we can get someone else who is willing to do that. Right, mm-hmm. right. And and I think Peyton Reed made a good movie at the end of the day. Oh, and, a and phenomenal I'd, movie. And of Definitely. course, I'd love to see the version that Edgar Wright made, but it's it's a fundamentally different approach to right. the, you know, to, to making the film that whereas Marvel's almost run more like a long form TV series uh, with huge budgets at this point right. than it is like individual movies. But this was still like, oh, Tim Burton just made these this huge Batman movie. Let's we got our ducks in a row. We can make a huge Spider-Man movie, make a blockbuster Spider-Man movie. And right. and as far as they could, this was their version of as faithful to the characters as they could by hiring the one director who actually had like Spider-Man on his wall growing up and cared about the character and was like willing to fight for his vision. That's Mm -hmm. as close as you would get to that sort of like fidelity to a character. And I think in this case, all of the factors aligned very well. And we ended up with Mm -hmm. what is, what is still an amazing movie. Um, and, and one of the best versions, but it's you, it will never be exactly translated from page to screen. Um, Right. If in this approach. Yeah. So this is like one of those moments where you see a bit of that um, disconnect or or a bit of that. Um, change in execution mm-hmm. because of that mm-hmm. approach. So uh, it's a, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Mm. I like I like picking it apart. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I'm, huh. I'm endlessly fascinated. And I'm fascinated that David Kep got sole screenwriting credit on this movie. It's yeah. I feel like there's another like book to be written just about like all the screenwriters. On, I know on these projects. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's mind-boggling. Um, so uh, so yeah. Do you have any um final thoughts? I guess on uh, on on you know Norman, maybe Norman and Green Goblin in general, Jay. Hmm. Well, so it's interesting because Norman is Norman Osborn is one of my favorite characters in Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I'm not so much a fan of Green Goblin. I've never really dug either Green or Hobgoblin, just never really was my thing. Mm-hmm. But Norman, when he's played as Peter's Lex Luthor, is infinitely just fascinating to me. Sure. So so it's 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 weird to see uh or, or weird to to enjoy the performance of Willem Dafoe as much in this film as I did because it's such a signature departure for what I, from what I, I really like. Like my, my favorite presentation of Norman is when he was uh head of the Thunderbolts and head of hammer. Uh-huh. And I loved that. It's like, that's exactly what Norman would do. Norman would scheme his way to the top. That's exactly how he would approach things. Sure. And this is such a very different, a stark different Norman, uh, uh-huh. but it works so well just, just because of the direction and because of the performance that you get out of Willem Dafoe. I mean, when you have someone of his capability, you have to play to his strengths and they do to a T. Yeah. Um, you know, Raimi has always been, you know, an actor's director. Yeah. It's, and he, he knows how to get the best out of his people and he, it, it delivers on this. And I, I thoroughly enjoy Willem Dafoe's version of Norman Osborn. Yeah, it's, it's great. And, and it does come back to that sort of uh, concept of um, the early rehearsals in the uh, actor collaboration where uh, a lot of adjustments were made in terms of the cast 
discussing things with Sam and adjusting from there. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I am, I, I feel like I bring this up every week, but I'm just jealous of the, the approach that they had, at least on this movie where they had extra uh, enough time for pre-rehearsals and, and adjustments and things like that, that they could build out how they wanted to approach these characters in a way where everybody was on the same page and everybody's um, approach supported everybody else's approach. There's a, there's a line that Toby says uh, in an, in an interview um, in the behind the scenes uh, book that Mark Cotabaz wrote where he's, he can say sometimes you're on a, a, a movie and you're kind of thrown in there and everything is sort of last minute. And um, you can feel like, you're acting in one movie and somebody else is acting in a different one. Uh, if if we, you don't quite get everybody in the same page as far as what we're aiming at. And Sam was very good about getting everybody to be working towards the same goals and, mm-hmm. uh, and that they adjusted scenes and even like sometimes the, um, the, the structure of, of the way sets looked or the, the way they just, just based on those early rehearsal times with the actors working it out mm-hmm. um it just seems luxurious <laughs> looking at it like as in terms of a working environment um and we got a very interesting movie out of it yeah well you can tell it's collaborative because yeah. it's the the cast and the crew care so much about each other it's you know it's it's weird you're you're sitting here talking about that and the first thing that popped into my head is the uh is wet hot american summer of all things yeah totally totally <laughs> like, yeah. like the the behind the scenes documentary that netflix has uh I think it's called hurricane of fun mm-hmm. uh, about the film. It it's that, you know, it's everybody is okay. Well, this is how this would work for my character. How would this work here? And, you know, completely different situation. You know, they had, I think $12 to make the film or something like that. Was, <laughs> right. 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 Uh, you know, it was, it was collaborative from top to bottom and everyone was, was united in the vision of what the project was going to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that know, that's how you get a tonally consistent movie. Like exactly. That's, yeah. That's how you don't end up with, and I mean, look, we're going to talk about it eventually, but that's how you that's that's how you avoid a movie like Amazing Spider-Man Two, mm-hmm. yeah, um, where you have two actors in that movie that are act three actors in that movie that are acting in a totally different movie than everyone else. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's it's because they're you know Paul Giamatti is not acting in the same movie that Andrew Garfield is in. And, and you know, uh, there, and then that, that weird Nazi scientist guy is not acting in the same movie that everyone else is in. Um, (laughs) and it's because like they, yeah, there, I, I can't imagine there was any rehearsals for that movie outside of the scenes between, um, Emma and Andrew. Yeah. Um, because those were the only tonally consistent scenes in the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, And, and yeah, that's, that's the difference. It's like, if, as long as everyone is dialed up to 10, it won't feel like anyone is dialed up to 10. Exactly. <laughs> but, when, right. but, when, but when three of your actors are dialed up to 10 and everyone else is playing at a six or seven. It's like, it's you like get, whiplash. You get problems. Yeah. 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 You get yeah. problems. Yeah. Um, Which is, and is that's, not that's to say anybody's get... doing bad work in that, in right. that scenario. They're just the, the communication top down is, is one of the things. Right. And, Obviously, it's easy to to sit and say that, you know, uh, when without having to deal with all the unique pressures of whatever project you're looking at on the oh, day. Absolutely. Was. But um, you can hindsight is kind of 2020 in those situations where you can see um, the effects of everybody's always going to be trying their best to do the, the best version of their job, regardless of the circumstances. The only way that you can 
sort of hope to make a, a cohesive unit is if you get everybody on board the same train early on and we can all aim at that same goal together because people are yeah. going to they're going to try their their darndest to um to kick ass regardless um mm-hmm. but if somebody's kicking ass while going east and we're trying to row the boat west uh things get hairy and, and right. that's just it's hard to make stuff uh, it is. It's it a, is. It's a it miracle is. when and, it and, works. <laughs> and and rehearsals are important. And rehearsals are important, is what we're saying. Yes. Very much um, so. <laughs> so uh so we'll be back tomorrow with minute nineteen. Um in the meantime, uh we are we we are a movies by minutes uh podcast, but we are only one of many. Uh if you go to moviesbyminutes.com, you can find the full list of every movies by minutes podcast in existence as far as uh, we know, um, mm-hmm. including, of course, our patriarchs over at Star Wars Minute, the the mm-hmm. guys who started it all. The OG, um, yeah. Yeah, OG, exactly. <laughs> so go, you can go check them out. And uh, they, they've got, you know, five seasons, I think, of their show mm-hmm. uh, up and, and ready to listen to, I think, at this point. Um, so, uh, so go check out, uh, go check out them and, and check out, uh, lots of others. I'm sure we will have a ton of those, um, a ton of like the, the various hosts and things from all of those on this show, you know, sprinkled here and there. So, mm-hmm. um, be on the lookout for them, but, uh, go check out moviesbyminutes.com Cause you know, it, 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 I'm sure that if you're listening to this, Spider-Man is probably one of your favorite movies. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, if you have others, chances are there's a movies by minutes podcast about them about it. And if, if you, if you find that there isn't, maybe you should think about starting one. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Um, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, we will be back tomorrow with minute eight, uh, 19. Bye yes. guys. Bye guys. Bye.